You are listening to Healing Arts with Dr. Shelley Kerr. Visit me online at www.pastlifelady.com. Connect with me on YouTube at Past Life Lady or on my Facebook fan page at Past Life Lady. Journeys Through the Akashic Records is coming out on Friday, July 8th, and I just can't wait. In this book, you will receive 40 guided journeys that span my 20 years as a past life regressionist. You will take journeys to help you find the answers within yourself to some of your life's biggest questions. And if you're up late on Thursday, July 7th, I will be speaking with my friend George Norrie on Coast to Coast AM. We'll be talking about journeys through the Akashic Records. So I want to thank you in advance for pre-ordering this book. It just means the world to me. And I will look forward to seeing you soon. Namaste. Welcome to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Kerr. Hey, dear ones, guess what? I've got one of my favorite people in the world on the Healing Arts podcast today. My dear friend and brilliant author, Dr. Kak Young, is here. She has got the most amazing book magical trees and i was lucky enough to see this before it ever came into this form and i contributed the forward to this book i love it cac this is phenomenal this is a great book as are all of your books are so well done so thoroughly researched i'm so excited to have you on the show especially to talk about magical trees welcome to healing arts Thank you. And thank you for having me on. It's always a great chance to see you and talk to you and, and discuss our works. I mean, we share so much, um, I don't know, care and concern about the subjects we write about. So it's always, I feel, you know, sistered to you in, in uh, that magical way. I have always felt the same about you. This book, CAC, is absolutely brilliant. Um, friends, I hope you, you've checked out all of Kak's books, her essential oils books. She's got Bach flower remedies and so many more. Your knowledge base on all of this is actually way beyond my pay grade. And yet you make this so accessible. I mean, so many tips and strategies and things that we can do to get moving and to really appreciate trees. And I was wondering if you could just talk about, you know, why this book is important to put out and what are magical trees? Tell us about that. Okay, sure. Well, first of all, a lot of people are now beginning to explore what magic is. And a lot of people are living a Wiccan style, a, a green witch life, a kitchen witch life, and they're living lives that are closer to the earth. And those of us that come from Irish and Scottish descent, our ancestors were Celts and they lived and breathed by the oak trees and by all of the trees around them in their environment. And I think we have that emotional DNA in our systems if we come from those, those tribes. Um, I know a lot of other 
ancestors in a lot of groups of Vikings. They made ships out of them, and the and the Egyptians did the same thing. But so, but it's not the affinity to wood. It's the affinity to the actual tree, and the belief in what it can give to us, but also what we can give to it, which is important because we have a reciprocal relationship with trees just on the physical level of we breathe in the oxygen that they give us through their process of photosynthesis and they take the carbon dioxide that we produce and convert it back into oxygen. So it makes sense. Uh, without the trees, we couldn't breathe. And without us, the trees wouldn't have any CO2. I'm sure there's some scientists that will call me on that. But yes, there are plankton and things on uh, out in the sea that also contribute to that photosynthetic process whereby it makes oxygen. But trees are very special. They give us shelter. They give us medicine. They give us uh, food, many of them, and they give us the things that we can uh, enhance our daily life with. Plus, many people think that they contain magic. So in the book, I explored all of these things, uh, uh, the whole gamut of gifts that trees give us so that we can become aware as we're driving down the highway and we don't look anywhere. I want us to slow down and to take a look at what's around us and learn more about trees and appreciate them and meditate on them and under them and with them and become more tree aware. Without trees, we don't exist. Without air, we don't exist. So there's two things that we have to really continue to support the purity of and the growth of. So as we chop down the forests in the Amazon, we are really yeah. stepping on our own petard and we are contributing to our death with every tree that is chopped down. Sorry about the long-winded answer, but- No, I wanna hear it all. You're exactly right. I mean, it seems like a no-brainer, right? We shouldn't really have to remind ourselves that we need trees to live, but I guess we have to remind ourselves sometimes about this, you well, know? I think in our modern society, we have forgotten the origins of things, where things grow, how they come from. If you're raised in an urban situation in the cement jungle, you, you don't know much about oranges. And it, I, I did the wedding of a couple that whose mother was a teacher in Washington, D.C., and she came out to California and she was amazed walking down the street. She would hold the oranges and the citrus in her hands. And she said, you know, I take my children to uh, arboretums and to things in D.C. because they don't know where apples come from. They don't know where oranges come from. They are so cemented in that they they don't have, they have no connection to nature. So, uh, and I was amazed at that. I thought, well, if that's true for D.C., then it's got to be true for Chicago and Detroit and New York and other places where kids and people grow up. So I thought, well, what can I do? I can write a book that maybe gets people excited about trees 
and all they give us, including the magic and including the fairies and including all the lore we know about them, because it's very, very true. I mean, uh, from tribes in Africa who basically worship the baobab tree and that it's one of the most nutritious trees in the world for us to consume. I mean, it's just mind opening when you study trees. Absolutely. It's, it's incredible. And you've got so much interesting information in this book. You, you spend some time in the beginning talking about the Celts, and you mentioned that a minute ago, why this is so important in the ancient times. And I was wondering if you could speak to us about what are some of those Celtic beliefs. And then I want to follow up. I'll ask this again if I later. I want to know why, why is the Celtic way of life becoming so popular? Because I agree with you. It's, it's very popular now and people really are turning to these, these earlier um, religious ways, let's just say. So well, yeah, I, I think, it, I think because we're hungry, we're starving. Our souls are craving connection. Um, Poets write about longing and belonging. And unless we satisfy that in our souls, we're going to continue seeking. I think longing and belonging is such an important part of us to stay away from things that substitute for that. And I mean, alcohol, drugs, and other indulgences. So when we really get down to ritual and belief and community, all of that artificial stimulus disappears because everything else becomes so real, so poignant, so active. And, and one of the things the Celts did, and I was reaching off camera to get you my OAMs, it's O-G-H-A-M, but it's spelled, um, oh. and these are my acorn OAMs, and they are all marked with signs that are actual signs of trees and tree language. And the Olam language, and what you do is you take a handful of these and you throw them and it, depending on what kind of layout you want or what kind of an answer you want, you will get your answer based on the tree and based on the meaning of the tree. In fact, the Celts love trees so much. You were born under a certain tree, a birth tree uh, that you had. We have here birth stones. But back then it was a tree and that determined what you were going to be in life. That determined your career and it determined your position in society. So, you know, wow. that's kind of limiting in a sense, but in another sense, it's kind of like an arranged marriage. You don't have to go out and do the dating. You know, you're going to be a carpenter and you know, you're going to be trained for that. And so everybody was kind of happy. But in those societies, people were much more fulfilled in their lives because of their ritual, because they danced under the moonlight and they had wedding ceremonies under the moonlight and they had other ceremonies under the sun. They followed the seasons. So all of their natural rhythms were attuned to what was happening in the cosmos. And there's something magical that happens 
when you do that, your body falls into a different rhythm. You know, we have a reaction to daylight saving time and not daylight saving time and how our circadian rhythms are upset for three or four days. Well, imagine back in the Celtic days and the Celts covered Germany all the way up to the north uh, into uh, Denmark and Sweden and Norway, as well as Ireland, Scotland, and England. They were around, and in France too. That that was there before it was Gaul. It was Celtic, and they all just lived in a sense of accordance. And there was something very peaceful about that. And sure, there were wars and there were fighting, but women had a much more equal place in those societies. They weren't trying, they weren't oppressed. They had their functions. The men had their functions. Sometimes they blended and marriages were considered renewable uh, every year. So if you weren't feeling good about the guy or gal you were with, you could just say next and move on. But the village cared for children. So I think Hillary Clinton's book, It Takes a Village, it comes from the old Celtic ways of everyone taking care of everyone. And there weren't uh, homes for the old folks where they were put there and shoved there and then ignored. They were part of the society and everybody took responsibility for that. So it's a tree-based society. And I think that's good for the soul. I think you're exactly right about so much of what you just said. I mean, you know, we're really disconnected um, now. They, I think they did a study, you probably know more about this than I do, about the fact that, you know, ob well, obviously we need sunshine. We need real sunshine, but yet people are inside on their screens all the time. And, you know, then it causes vitamin D deficiencies and different things like that. So we do need to get outside and do a little tree hugging, you know, get together. And that Celtic society, they were connected to the earth. They were connected to each other. And that is something that really is sorely missing in our current society. Well, it's I true. Know. You know, it it's very true. And and there were no, uh, and I'm not demeaning this profession, but there were no psychologists back then who had to figure out uh, what's behind that action. There was a whole way of dealing with uh, misbehavior. And you, it, it's like, if you know the rules and you don't abide by them, you also know the consequences. So there was a certain freedom there. Nobody had to explain anything. Now, I'm not saying that psychology is bad. I think it's wonderful. I think it, it's an extraordinarily helpful science. But I think that our processed foods and the way we do stay indoors and the way we do stare at screens and the way we do deplete our natural vitamins by not being out in the sun and not being outside and outdoors and active. We are not an active society. And they were. They were very active in their farming, in their building, in their construction. Well, just building Stonehenge, for example, they had to haul 40,000 pound stanchions all the way across uh, terrain for 40 miles in order to make Stonehenge real. So they weren't slackers. And I think that we perhaps uh, can take a lot of lessons from the tree loving societies who were much more connected to this earth than we will probably ever be, no matter 
you know, how many groups and how many gardens we plant. Absolutely. I, I completely and totally agree. And I think that reading this fabulous book is going to help bring you there, kids. Your book has a fabulous and thorough dictionary in it of trees with their healing properties and just so much information, so many helpful tips. So I, I don't, you know, I was just wondering, just tell us about a couple of your favorite trees that you feel are beneficial ones you'd like to share with the readers today. There's so many in here, though. You need to get this book friends let me tell you that oh, well okay, thank, I'm you, just thank you it's amazing I, I think so i mean it's a small it's a small investment for a whole lot of information but um just for example we get <clears throat> oxygen from trees we get cooling we get um essential oils we get shelter we get heat and we get medicines and there are i have an entire list here that's kind of amazing it's over 250 substances that come from trees taxol is one of them right now that is helping in the prevention and treatment of cancer and that comes absolutely from a tree from the willow um we have um, um barcaspira if i'm saying that correctly from the alt alder tree we have salicin which is headache medicine um, the ash gives us um, emetic, uh, helps us with emetic fevers, and the birch gives us um, betalunic acid, which is a cancer drug. I mean, all of these things I learned how absolutely incredible trees are and the medicines that are derived from them, which of course leads to sustainability and the fact that uh, sarsaparilla trees are protected now because people are trying to get at them for the medicines that they produce. So there's a responsibility that we have too to not overuse our trees, but so many of our drugs come from the Amazon, from the rainforest, and just from the natural trees we have around us in our own little uh, little forests in, uh, around our cities. So we, those, those are the things that I want people to know because when you know that, uh, there's a deeper appreciation for what these little growing things with their uh, wings have on them for us. And uh, it's just extraordinary to me to know all of that. It is incredible. It doesn't, I mean, this may be wrong, but doesn't aspirin come from tree bark? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. Okay. That's pretty, I go. that's from something that everybody probably Several knows, are but. different. Um, the poplar gives us balm of Gilead. And um, the hawthorn berry gives us medicine for the heart. The wow. hazel, the hazelnut gives us wound healing. The linden tree gives us anxiety and ADHD medicine. Um, the elm gives us digestive. Slippery elm gives us digestive yeah. help. And uh, that's just you know the beginning of what these are. But yes, things as common as aspirin and the salicin in the trees and tree bark gives us relief from our headaches and who doesn't have a bottle of aspirin in their cabinet so yeah but connecting those is what's really really important to us well also just having all this information in one place is helpful when we need it so that we can look it up and find out 
Uh, it is so fascinating, just all of the things that the creator put here for us to use in the trees and in all of the natural environment, if we would simply just, as you've said, take a moment and to appreciate what we have, take care of it, and help perpetuate that into the future. It's just so important. Well, one of the ways you can do that is by creating, if you have a tree in the front yard, create a little fairy garden around it, little little teeny statues or make your own furniture. You can find how to do that on Google with popsicle sticks and put little stones and little mushrooms and little fun things and painted rocks. Put that around your tree and watch what happens to the kids in your neighborhood. They go crazy for it and then they want to bring their things and they add to it and you know somebody makes a little teeny fence around it that all of a sudden there becomes this little village under this tree and now the tree well the tree's got to be happy about that don't you think the tree's got to say woohoo look what's going on and all the kids around there are smiling and the parents are walking in front of that tree all of a sudden you've made a celebration out of a tree with just a few little throwaway items that makes it a very special place. And that's one way to start. And of course, another way to start is to not let people cut down trees without really good reason. Um, I lived in Cambria and we bought the house because there were so many oaks and so many Cambria pines and the Cambria pines are 80 feet tall and they're absolutely beautiful, but they have a root system that is suitable for like a teeny little walnut tree. They are, so when the wind blows, they can crash into your house and they can do that. And they are susceptible to bugs, a certain kind mm. of a beetle. And so I had to chop down about 30 of those trees in my two acre property over time, over the 10 years I owned it, because they were diseased and they were damaged. And every single one of them broke my heart. And the people who came to take them down, they have a respect for that. You know, they climb way up the trees and, and how they do that is just amazing. And then they chop it down. But everybody has a feeling for that tree because of its beauty and its longevity and how sad that we have to uh, take it down. But then it becomes firewood and everybody's there, stacks it outside uh, their gate so that people can come and help themselves. So now the tree is giving people warmth for the winter. So it's a cycle and as Life. heartbreaking as taking one down. But there are developers that come and just whack down a whole bunch of trees, rather work around it like the farmers in Ireland do. If there's a hawthorn tree, that's a fairy tree and you don't chop it down. You just put your crop around it and you work around this fairy tree because that's where the fairies live and you don't want to cross the ferry and the irish will tell you oh that's a lot of malarkey and some of them will say yeah malarkey or not i'm not going to risk it because of what could happen these fairies could just get carried away and it's beautiful you can actually look on youtube uh some of the farmers in ireland have stories and websites that they do podcasts and talk about the fairy trees and how they work seasonally and how they respect it and how they make sure that it's cared for it's beautiful and that's just a carry over from the ancient societies that i think is really magnificent and charming to live your life that way 
I think it's fantastic. And like you said, you don't know, so you better not cross these ferries. You yeah. have, I want to remind everybody, you know, Kat's been on the show before we talked about one of my other favorite books was Living the Fairy Life, where you tell us all about how to work with fairies, how to interact. And apparently we're learning more. Don't cut their trees down. Okay. Just don't, don't cut their there. trees down. <clears throat> well, you, you also asked me my favorite trees and I grew up in the Northwest. So I had a lot of evergreens and a lot of alders and a lot of apple trees. We had you know, those just readily available in the neighborhood and, uh, and even in our backyard. So, but down in California, where I live now, uh, there is, I take my dogs to walk under magnolia trees and they have lined these sidewalks that are like built like wagon wheels. And they have little spokes that you can walk on. And I take my dogs down there for the walk. And I love to watch what happens with the magnolia trees. First of all, they're beautiful. They have big waxy green leaves and they flower twice a year. And their blossoms are magnificent. I take some of the fallen blossom leaves and bring them home and put them in a bowl. And it just is aromatic in the house it's wonderful and then they drop their cones uh about november-ish well i took some of those cones and looked online and figured out how you um, prepare the seeds and i now have nine little baby magnolia trees that i have grown from the seed and i'm giving them away to friends for christmas who have room to put a magnolia tree and they require some care. You can't really put them in the sunlight for the first year and you have to really care for them. But after they get a hold and they get acclimated, then they grow into these beautiful trees that are extraordinarily elegant. And as you walk through them, you are just transported to a magical place. It's like Shangri-La and they bloom, you know, for about a month and a half and then then they go a little bit more dormant and then they bloom again about four or five months later. So it's just spectacular. And that to me right now is my favorite tree. And I'm actually, um, I have a very important person who is moving to Utah and for his go going away present, I'm giving him two trees in a pot and he's going to take the trees in his car and drive from San Jose to Utah where he will plant the trees in his yard. And it's just, you know, a little piece of our friendship, which I adore. And I think giving people trees and helping them learn about them and nurture them and giving them this book. I mean, the holidays are coming up. What a wonderful, wonderful way to get people to learn about trees. I mean, in the book, I talk about the oldest trees in the world and the ones that have had been worshipped as gods and how the societies worked around that tree and what happened to uh, the society because of the tree and the trees that people rely on. And I also talk about currently how urban areas are being uh, renovated by trees, that the streets aren't as hot and there is a lot cleaner air and there's places to gather under for the kids. So when you take a concrete jungle and you add trees to it, you bring life into it. And the entire thinking mentality and attitude of the community 
changes because suddenly there's something living, there's something blooming, there's something beautiful. And the more we learn about the trees, the more we can take some of what they have and go home and make tea. The linden tree, for example, you can make tea from the tree that's in your, uh, in your neighborhood. And the ginkgo tree, the ginkgo is a wonderful help as a tree in urban situations. And it changes colors and it's pretty and it, it is active within what's happening on the planet. So there are many things that trees mean to us and the beauty they bring us besides just the oxygen that we need to live our lives. It's such a great point. I was driving around, I live in Texas, as you know, and I was driving around this area and I went into some places that I hadn't been in a while and they had put some really nice evergreens into the center medians. I was like, oh, yeah, I grew up in Colorado a lot of the time in New Mexico, Arizona. And so, you know, I'm like, you, I love those evergreens and oh, yeah. it just take, it does, it gives you a feeling uh, it almost takes you back to childhood and it just brings such a better energy. But also, as you've said, it helps to make it not so hot around here, which is always very, very hot. So, yes. And I think, you know, at Christmas, we bring in the Christmas tree and we bring in the evergreen boughs and we have that wonderful pine smell and it just puts us in a, a calmer state of mind. All of a sudden we aren't rushing around crazy at, you know, as we know from essential oils, you can change your entire mood, your, your attitude with just inhaling certain fragrances. So when we do that on purpose, we have cinnamon and we have all the, the smells of the holidays and that just enhances the enjoyment of the time of year. I don't know where I was talking to someone about this recently. I was teaching a, some online classes. We were talking about the fact that olfactory nerve in your nose goes straight back into your brainstem. You would know more about that than I would, but that takes you then right back to grandmother's kitchen when she was baking cookies or back to Thanksgiving. Don't you agree? I mean, it takes you back in time to happy, peaceful, calming, nurturing energies that we all need more of. That's right. And it's called the, the limbic system. When you inhale oh. something, it goes through the olfactory bulbs and into the, the part of your brain, it's called the limbic system, and that's the smell brain, and that's where our memories are. So yes, um, you can take a bite of a chocolate chip cookie and remember back to a time when, when your grandmother baked them. Um, and if you didn't have that kind of a childhood, you can still find other smells that take you back there. I, I remember when I was in India and Puttaparthi at an ashram for a while, it had a very definite smell. Mm -hmm. And if I find a place where I smell that, I'm right back there in that garden, you know, in India, because you, it just takes you back. And there's lots of different smells that you have and, and uh, that will take you immediately back into your memory of where you were in your five senses, back in that moment. So it transports you and it's very exciting. That's, that's definitely what trees do. The, um, you know, there are rituals, even in England, there are certain flowers that the new bride carries because that's the flower that Queen Victoria carried when she got married to the love of her life. And so that tradition is there if you want it. There's all kinds of 
things you can add with trees. I love passing down of trees to generations and generations. I love some, sometimes you pass down the homestead or the farm, but why not pass down a tree that somebody can take with them and plant? Many trees like the magnolias that I'm giving away, they can stay indoors, uh, absolutely, if you give them enough light when they're old enough to receive it, or they can be outside and you just really kind of have to shade them a little bit in the hot Texas sun. There is a magnolia seed that is in Texas, with my son-in-law and he is growing his own from the, the seeds that I gave them. It sprouted and it's about this big now. So we're very proud that he's going to cherish that um, tree. And I'm just so touched. There's nothing better than the living gift as far as I'm concerned. I think that's fantastic. My grandmother um, had given us a, a vine plant that has gotten passed down to the family. So I have it here. I, I should have brought it today, um, but uh, yeah, it is really special because you realize that that piece of that plant has been growing in this case for probably 60 or 70 years, you know, it is pretty amazing. Exactly. exactly. And they can live well, there are uh, the Grand Abuela, for example, is 4,000 years old and it lives in a protected area uh, right here in California, up in the mountains. And there, are, uh, people have done damage to some of these older trees, but the, the oldest tree in the world is called Pando. And Pando is a series of trees and it's in Utah and it's 14,000 thousand years old that's what they can trace thinking that it might often uh, also be older than that but it's an entire root system that has little sprouts of other trees and it it cohabitates with the na nature around it and the deer and the um, the spores that feed it so but 14,000 years old is a long time for a tree system to live it's incredible. If only they could talk. Yeah. Boy, we could learn a lot. You know, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. They are incredible forces of life. So I, we have to talk about the environment again. I mean, you know, t just the fact that we, we should become more impassioned if we're not already or reminded or whatever we want to call it to get outside, get around the trees, the importance of planting and replenishing because we need to save this planet. We need to save ourselves. So can you speak, I know you can, to speak to that challenge that we're at right now and why the trees have never been more important to us as they are right now. Sure, and I'd love to tell you about Diana Beresford Kroger. She now lives in Canada, but she is this amazing scientist who has studied trees all of her life. And she also has been taught by the ancient Druids uh, passed down through her family, all the lore and all the uh, processes and all the beliefs that are from the olden days. So she also has that in her very rich soul. And her project um, is to collect, and she's already collected in her biosphere, uh, 50,000 seedlings or samples of trees because her greatest fear is that 
this planet will just dissolve. The greedier we get, the, the less attached to it we become, the more of it we destroy. And one day there won't be any of that left. So her project is to save all of the seeds and seedlings that she can for the future. And they're, you know, in this big vault locked away and protected. And her story is fascinating. In fact, I think uh, a PBS had a big story on her and you can also find her online uh, because she believes that there are 10 trees that we need to keep alive. And she is at Diana Beresford-Kroger, uh, K-R-O-E-G-E-R.com. And it's the the um, name of her uh, film is called Call of the Forest. And it's really amazing. But her trees are kind of amazing. She says it is the English oak, the black walnut, the redwood, the atlas cedar, the baobab, the red mangrove, the teak, the mountain ash eucalyptus, the suji and the Scots pine. So those are the trees that we have to save if the earth is going to survive. But Call of the Forest is an amazing film and getting to know Diana Beresford Kroger, I mean, she's just, uh, well, she's just an absolute, she's the mother Teresa of trees as far as I'm concerned. She's just amazing and single-handedly with the help of her other scientists trying to save the planet by storing up trees that can keep the planet alive when, when and if it is destroyed. So she's very well worth knowing. You know, and you can buy oems, you know, get connected with trees and get your oems and understand what the symbols mean and how they can apply to your life. That is so fascinating. And it's such important work to be collecting those seeds for sure. Um, I've seen, so I'll have to look her up. I've seen some different documentaries about those seed banks and it's just like, wow, it's so forward thinking and it's so needed. We don't want to have to be concerned about those things, but we need to be realistic and be prepared. I well, and if not for our generation, for the next generation, I mean, we have right. uh, people in major political seats that think nothing of wiping out entire uh, countries and populations. So I think we have one in each continent right now that could push a button and do a lot of damage. And that is the kind of damage that we want to be prepared for. Even if we're not around, generations behind us will need to rebuild and, you know, re-up. Re Absolutely. This is slightly different, but one of the things that keeps floating in, it has to do with fairies, but you know, the butterflies and the bees and why it's so important to take care of them as well. Um, I started planting milk thistle here. So right now I have um, monarch butterflies coming through. They came through last year and I saw one of their little buds. I thought it was a little spaceship that had landed on my flowers because it looks so amazing. It's bright green with these little metallic gold beads on it. And then the monarch was born in the backyard. It was like, oh, I've never seen anything like that before. Amazing. But, you know, even doing things like that, I think is so important to think, hey, guess what? There's butterflies, they're migrating, they need something to eat. And if we don't take care of them, we are going to be messed up there too. And with the bees as well. I mean, we've, yes. we've got a crisis on our hands there as well. And it goes along the lines with the trees. We need to be planting trees 
planting flowers that support this other life so that pollination happens. You know, it's just all interconnected. We need to start thinking of our planet and of the other beings that are inhabiting this planet. Yes. And we have to stop worrying about our discomfort at our picnic. So just get those little net things and put them over your food if you don't want a yellow jacket to eat it. Just compromise. You know, we're going to have to get a little inconvenienced here, but we have to do it. Otherwise, you know, people are out there spraying their raid and getting rid of wasps are amazingly helpful beings too. We have, we barely know anything about them other than, ew, we don't want to be stung by one. But spiders, I mean, all of the things that are in the world that keep us that we don't even understand. They produce amazing microorganisms and they, they, they create even uh, nutrients in the soil that makes our food better. So we do end up benefiting from all this, but we can't just swat and get rid of and destroy the rest right. of nature because we're inconvenienced. Yeah, I mean, we have to remember if the creator put it here, there must be a reason. Everything has a purpose, not just us. I mean, we're not the end all be all. I don't think of species out here myself. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'd probably yeah. go with a dolphin before I'd go with, with us. I don't know. But that's just me. What do I know? <laughs> well, it's true. It's true. And I think as we raise our consciousness, that's why I want people to read Magical Trees. Yes. Because even if we start, with trees, there is a exercise in there, how you approach a tree and what you do. And it's not about whacking off their branches. It's about connecting with the tree, asking permission if you can approach it. If you take its picture, ask its permission. You would do that to a person. Look at the trees as members of the family and you will begin to treat them differently and you will begin to interact with them. I mean, there are times when, um, when, when things happen that make me sad or things that, uh, that maybe I'm angry about, I will go sit with a tree and I will tell the tree what's bothering me. And somehow the tree just transforms that. And I feel better because trees take in our waste, our CO2 and transform it in oxygen. So too, they take in our emotional baggage and transform it into something positive too, so that we walk away feeling energized and healed. And it's true. Civilizations all over the world still do that and use trees for their personal therapy, which I think is just a lovely thought. I think that all of that is a lovely thought, just to look out in the natural world and think of everything that's there as another living being that is equal to yourself. Yes. Who's willing to share in a relationship. And so you would want to have a relationship with them just like in a reciprocal way and an honoring and respectful way, just like you would with anyone else. Yes. And they help us so much and they give to us so much. It's time that we start giving back on the conscious level and on the physical level and letting them know psychically how much we appreciate them and how valuable we consider them. We just can't go around not thinking about their importance because once they're gone, who's going to be singing the sorry tune? not the trees, us. So 
be grateful, get involved, figure out how you can help plant things in urban areas, get, yes. you know, get hooked up in your community of how you can further trees and substantiate their growth, contribute to the right kinds of causes, be wary of the, of the shoddy ones who, you know, plant a tree in memory of someone and that all they do is throw some seeds in the woods and they don't. Uh, go back and take care of them and plant them correctly and water them, but really hook up with an organization that sees to it, grows the seedlings, plants the seedlings, puts a little name tag on it. That's how you want to memorialize someone. But yeah, and let's stop manufacturing things and let's go back to the trees and let's go back and appreciate who they are, what they've withstood and, and when a tree is cut down, the rings tell us what has gone on for 100 years, 200 years, maybe more. And so they are historians as well. And as you said at the beginning, if the trees could talk and what wisdom they would hold for us. Absolutely. You're exactly correct. Cac, this is a beautiful book. Friends, listen, you need Magical Trees. This is a wonderful book. It is filled with wisdom, information, new things you have never learned before and things that can help you in your daily life. Just, just try new things. She's inviting you to just get out there and look at the world with different eyes as we love everything that is on this lovely planet. I highly, highly, highly recommend this book. I love it. And Kak, I love you as well. You are amazing. You are a genius. And this is another one of your many genius examples that everybody needs to get a hold of. Well, thank you thank for being you, on Healing Shelley. Arts. Thank you. And thank you for writing the forward. You did a beautiful job and you really add to the magic of the book. And, you know, it's a great holiday gift. And thank you for your time. And thank you for the honor of being on your show. It is my honor and my joy. So friends, I want you to get this one. It's Christmas time. Put it in the closet. You'll have your gifts ready when it's time to go. Um, it's been a joy to connect with CAC. We're going to have all of her links below and I'll link to some of her other books because all of them are just incredibly well-researched and just an absolute wealth of information. So I cannot wait to see you again on the next episode of Healing Arts. And in the meantime, I hope you consider planting a tree. And if you want to know how or want to know more, here it is. This is the authoritative book, Magical Trees. <laughs> Check it out. Highly recommended. And I Thank will look you. forward to seeing all of you next time on the next episode of Healing Arts. Guess what? My new book, Past Lives in Ancient Lands and Other Worlds, is coming out in October, and you can pre-order the book now. Do you want to learn about your past lives in Egypt, in Rome, in Greece, or did you fly around in a spaceship in another dimension, in another lifetime? You can explore all of this and more in my new book, so thanks in advance for pre-ordering and we'll be talking more about past lives in ancient lands and other worlds in the coming weeks and months.
Did you know that scientists now say that up to 50% of your personality is carried over through your DNA? I know, right? It's shocking, but apparently it's true. And that's the reason why you will love my book, Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life. Through the book, you can take guided journeys into the past and discover places where your ancestors need healing. You can send loving kindness, grace, and healing light to your ancestors and experience the ripple effects as that wonderful energy travels through time and affects all people in your family tree. So check out my book, Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life from Llewellyn Worldwide. You've been listening to Healing Arts with Dr. Shelley Care. Visit me online at pastlifelady.com or on YouTube at Past Life Lady or connect with me on Facebook at Past Life Lady. <music>